Hello, and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and I would like to invite you to come on in here and subscribe and like my channels on bbsradio.com and YouTube. Here on the program, we like to discuss news you can use, self-help topics, and entertainment. Thanks so much for joining me today. You are in for a real treat as we prepare to bring on Taylor Swift's former manager, Rick Barker. With over 30 years in the music business, Rick is a seasoned pro. He has worn many hats in the industry, from consulting big names like Sony Music Nashville to mentoring on social media strategy for the American Idol contestants. He is also an author who co-wrote the $150,000 music degree, which I know is a must-read for those looking to understand the ins and outs of making it in the music business. Rick, thanks so much for joining us today. Super excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, and I wanted to kind of start off here by asking you just to tell us a little bit about your background and how you actually got involved in the music industry. So for me, radio was always my passion. I never had the discipline to take music lessons. I always loved music. I was always singing. There's pictures of me early on where my grandparents would put headphones on so that I would go to sleep. I would always go to sleep to music, but radio was always what my passion was. I was blessed to have had a 15 plus year music career in Santa Barbara. And from there in 2001, I'd built a country radio station. And at the time it was kind of weird to me because I was that person that kind of made fun of country music, you know, play the, play the record backwards. You get your dog back, your truck back, your girl back, you know, but then it was right after nine 11 and the world was in a different place. And I started hearing the stories. I started really listening to what was being said in these songs. And when we built this radio station, I said, well, I guess I'm as qualified as anyone else. I grew up in Alabama and I know who Johnny Cash was, but I realized that radio was much more than that, especially country radio. Uh, record companies started bringing artists through on radio tour, and I developed the first ever radio tour where artists actually got paid, which put me on the radar of Scott Borchette at Big Machine Records, he ended up hiring me out of radio to work for his record company. And the first artist that they handed me and said, teacher radio, teacher the business was at the time a little 15-year-old named Taylor Swift. And from there, I, I I taught her, worked for the record company. And then six months after meeting Taylor, her family then asked me to be her manager. Uh, so I did that for a couple years was an absolute amazing journey. And then realized that if I wanted to stay married and a father to my kids, being gone 187 days a year, wasn't going to cut it. And I ended up leaving Taylor, relocated my family to Nashville and uh, consulted, you know, Sony music, big machine records went on to do, as you mentioned, uh, American idol. And then it was about uh, 2012 when I decided that my true passion was continuing to help independent and developing artists understand this crazy business. You know, it's it's not easy. Uh, it's something that, unfortunately, your rewards are not in direct proportion to the work that you put in, and sure. the consumer doesn't have to pay for your product. So most businesses would go broke if that were the case. So that's been my attention. That's been my goal uh, over the last 10 years is just helping them really understand that they are their first record label. They are their first manager. They are their first publisher and how to set themselves up properly to give them a chance for success. So that's been kind of my little weave through the music business. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it, and it, it, you know, really can be a tough business. Um, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. And I tell you, if you can't stick to a consistent platform schedule, et cetera, you know, it's probably not going to be the business for you. One of the things I wanted to ask you also, Rick, is at the time that you were working with Taylor Swift, did you think her career would actually be what it is today? I mean, it's just been amazing, hasn't it? I don't think anyone thought, could think that big at the time. I mean, you've got a teenager, but what I saw in Taylor that I didn't see in a lot of artists at any age was this desire and this work ethic and this willingness to be different, you know, and in, in music, sometimes I find artists always trying to be like whatever they see being popular at the time. And she, from day one, always just stayed focused on who she was, who her audience was and what it is that she wanted to do. 
she proclaimed, I will be the biggest selling artist of all time when she was 17 years old. So she manifested this. And But she also put in the work. She put in the time. She put in the hours that no one was willing to put in. You know, it's like we always say, yes, we want this. But do our desires match our actions? And her desires matched her actions. So that's what was really special. So I knew that she was going to be big. No one could have ever imagined this big. Maybe Taylor was the only person that could imagine it. But any any me being around her could say, "Hey, shoot for the moon." But who knew the moon was going to be as high as it, as <laughs> yeah. it was? Right. And I, I think what a good point that you know, just like with anything, you really have to work hard and focus on what it is that you want to do. I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, getting a music industry degree, because we know, as we know, uh, so many people do not make it. So I want to talk about that in, in the book that you wrote. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll delve into that. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double-check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And welcome back. I'm speaking with Rick Barker, who is a music industry executive out of Nashville. And um, nowadays, Rick, many students go to school to get a music industry degree. Do you think that's a must have with so many changes taking place within the industry over the past several years? A degree is not going to guarantee you job in the industry. Uh, basically, I've been in this industry now for over 30 years, and not once has anyone ever asked me where I went to school or what my degree is in. Thank goodness, because I didn't finish high school. Uh, I went to community college and took classes that I knew would benefit me in life. I think college, I have two kids that are in college right now. I think college is important uh, for a lot of things, but the information that you need today, you can get on the internet. There was a time when you had to attend these certain universities because they had these certain professors that worked at these universities, and that was the only place that you could get access to them. Now I can go get access to any professor's papers I want online. I think what college does is college allows you to grow as a human. It allows you to learn the life skills that you're going to need. But unfortunately, the way that the education system is set up, and it's by no fault, is that you're learning a lot of theory uh, and the reality changes so fast that they would constantly have to redo their books. They would constantly have to, you know, petition to, to stay up to date with what's happening. So they'll invite people like myself and like yourself to come speak at these universities. Um, I just think that there's a lot of kids that, go to these universities and feel that they want to be a manager. Well, those jobs aren't readily available. Those jobs people keep for 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. But I think anything that you want to do in the industry, you can start doing today. I think education is super important, uh, I think, but you can get education from people. I would much rather spend time with a professor and learn as much from them as I can in the short amount of time possible than have to go and take classes that are going to be irrelevant to anything that it is that I want to do. The reason that my book is called The $150,000 Music Degree is, one, it was kind of a knock on Belmont and Berkeley and those universities that people were going to spend $150,000 to get this degree. This happened to be my salary working with Taylor. So I was paid $150,000 to get my degree. I didn't have to pay $150,000 to get it, but I'm always encouraging people to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly studying. But I think sometimes I didn't feel that I was disciplined enough to go to university for four years. And that just wasn't how I was wired. Some people are. It just wasn't for me. But I know there's a lot of people in Nashville that leave with that degree and then are bummed because they're starting out at $25,000 a year in a <laughs> intern position. I mean, it's just, it just, it, 
it just doesn't make sense the way it used to. But if you're if you want to be in a skilled position, I'm saying I tell people, they say, well, if I need to go learn something, what should I learn? I said, one, you should learn how to shoot and edit video because those are the jobs that are readily available in Nashville at all the companies, whether it be a record label. You need to understand marketing. You need to understand social media. You need to understand psychology. You need to understand human behavior, how to communicate. Those are the skill sets that I encourage people if they want a job in the music industry to go after. And you can do that on your own. You don't physically have to relocate to be able to learn those skills. Right. And and as you were talking, the, the price is so high. It's even much higher than that 150000 yes. now. Um, having taught myself, I can tell you that. Um, I, I've known students who've actually dropped out of some of the schools that you've mentioned because they found they started making more on doing some of the social media stuff and posting and things like that. So um, it's it's really interesting. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about is AI. I mean, I think we haven't even thought about how AI is truly going to impact the music industry and other industries, but I know we're using it already, you know, to do things like write letters and, and all of that. But of course, um, you know, it's not perfect. It's going to probably get better as time goes on, but how do you see AI actually impacting the music industry? Well, it's already having an impact. I teach a lot on AI. I usually, I use it more for the marketing side helping uh, with social media ideas, helping come up with content ideas. Just like with anything, AI is a tool. And it's only as good as the human that's inputting the information. You just don't open up ChatGPT and everything that you think about in your brain just pops up on the screen. You have to give it prompts. You have to do certain things with it. In the music industry, you know we're hearing a lot about deep fakes and production music and things like that. Uh, the best music's always going to win. You know, I still firmly believe that. I still believe that that human relationship is what ultimately wins out in the end. What people forget to realize is that in the music industry, the consumer doesn't have to pay to consume your product. They're ultimately going to invest in the relationship that they have with you. And AI can't create that human touch, that human feel. What I What it does is it allows you to speed up tasks that you would be, in my opinion, wasting time on when you can get it done faster, get to the audience faster, get to that relationship building faster. I'm all for any tools possible. People laughed at us when we spent, and I say we, when Taylor was spending all her time on MySpace, other artists were like, why are you doing this? She's like, because it gives me direct access to my consumer. It gives me direct access to have communications. I do not have to wait for them to find me. I can go exactly where they are. And I think that AI and other tools are just going to, once again, help us speed up the process of get, taking care of those daily tasks that, as we know, if you've worked with any musician, they hate social media. They hate, they just want to create art all day. Well, right. AI is going to help you do those other things that you need in your business in order right. to succeed. But I think um, that being noted, I think there is also a downside. I know, uh, you know, it can write music and, and that type of thing. Um, they've talked about deep fakes and, you know, your identity. And there's a lot of issues um, when it comes to that. Um, and what about the creativity? Um, because what I'm seeing is, you know, if I compare it to some of the former interns I had and some of the things that they've written and, you know, you take that and drop it in, it makes it a lot better. You know, of course, like you said, it it's can. not perfect. Yes. Yeah, you can take it and, and, and tweak it. So, you know, I'm really wondering when creativity is going to kind of intersect with AI to the point where is the artist uh, or, the, or the writer really going to be needed? I know you have to give it prompts, but who is really, I guess, going to, I mean, I guess if you've given it the prompts, I guess you are taking credit for work that's been created through AI, not necessarily your well, own. And that's being addressed right now. Uh, but also too, is if you go into a co-writing session, 
and I have an idea and you make it better, we're now co-writers. That's all it's doing basically is helping make it better. I mean, the, the thing that I always look at is this. When someone hears a song on the radio and it emotionally impacts them, the first thought that comes to their mind isn't, I wonder who wrote that. Was that a computer? Mm-hmm. Was that AI that generated that music? I mean, we've been using you know, synthesizers and MIDI for a long time instead of real drums. Were those real drums or were those computer generated drums? You know, it's like, did they splice the tape or were they working at pro? The the fan, the consumer, that's not how they think. That's how we in the industry might think. And that's where people, I think if you spend more time bettering your craft, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, hit songwriters in Los Angeles right now, how they're utilizing AI is they're going in and saying, okay, the same thought has been said a thousand times. Give me five different ideas on how to say the same exact thing. It's like the themes of movies are all the same. The themes of songs are all the same. The themes are always the same. They're just using the tools no different than a rhyming dictionary, no different than, you know, color palettes. You know, it's like, give me something new. I'd, I'm I'm all for people experimenting. What's right for one person may not be right for the other. Uh, but those that and those that embrace technology, those that have embraced technology seem to always win. I don't know why that is, but, yeah. you know, it's like I didn't I did. You and I aren't doing this in the same room right now. Thank you, technology. I got to drive my car to the grocery store this morning. Thank you, technology. I got Mm -hmm. to send a text to my dad. Thank you, technology. I got to have a conversation with my father who's 3,000 miles away. Thank you, technology. Did I cheat because I didn't write him a letter and wait a week for him to respond? You know, no. Embrace what's available to us because you're embracing it every single day anyway. Any of you that used a coffee maker, used the microwave oven, picked up a telephone or are watching this on the computer right now. You yeah. are using technology every day. Just embrace it. Well, but but one thing that's left out of that equation is that with many of those things that you mentioned, we cut people out of the equation. And I think that's one of the concerns people have. It's like, well, I may not have a job anymore, you know, and as you notice across the country, a lot of the unions are sure. kind of going crazy and <laughs> riling right. up at this point. And I think that that's what a lot of people are thinking Soon, all these people who have had these jobs for years will no longer have those jobs. And and I don't think that's technology. I think anybody who, if those who learn technology mm-hmm. will always have jobs. Yeah. That's you may true. not have the job you're currently in yeah. right now, but shame yeah. on you for letting something get better than you. All of <laughs> us have the ability to grow. Some of us are stagnant. And that's the problem is the problem is, is that people mm-hmm. aren't willing to grow. People are great at making excuses. People are great at blaming others for their lack of success. But it, it's like, if if all of a sudden, have are there no longer cabs? Right. They Uber are. came along. Remember, Uber's going to eliminate. No, you drive through New York. You're still going to see tens of thousands of cabs. All Uber did was speed up the process. All 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 it did was a technology. So, as much as we like to think that we're all going to be out of jobs, guess what? Get a new job because the guy that <laughs> was plowing the field by hand, yeah. sure, he now has a tractor. But mm-hmm. what did he do? He learned how to drive the tractor. So yeah. he still has a job. He just used the technology that got it done faster. So I, I still believe myself, and this is just one person's belief, technology will never take my job. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I use technology to strengthen what I teach other people. I use technology to get the knowledge and the information faster, but I still have to deliver that knowledge. Technology can't replace experience. It can't it, uh, replace my life experiences. It can't, ex- it, it can't change my heart. It, it can't take anything from me. All it can do, no, technology, AI, computers, whatever, are never going to be able to go and give my child the hug that it needs. Technology is not going to be able to take my wife to dinner and give her the time with me that she needs. So 
I just think that a lot of times we waste time worrying about things that we can't control instead of focusing on what we can control each and every day. And that is, if you have a message that can impact people's lives, it's your responsibility to get that message to them. It's not their responsibility to find you. And that that's what I do. You know, it's like I will use technology to get my my message to help as many people as I possibly can. It will never replace me. You know, that experience piece, yes, it is key. And it reminded me of, of a story a couple of years ago. I was working as a news reporter in Nashville for Channel 2, and there was a tornado that came through and knocked out the power at the TV station. And I was I was sitting in there with uh, one of the anchors, Bob Mueller, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I believe we have some old typewriters, you know, up in the attic. Let's see if we can find the typewriter. <laughs> And some of the younger people were looking around. They were like, uh, typewriters. <laughs> they, they were like, I don't know how to use a typewriter. Unfortunately, like when I came along, you know, in, in the news business, we started with typewriters. I remember when uh, the news star system, which was the, the system we used, came and uh, we had to learn how to use the computers. I mean, you know, it was crazy. It was. I used to play uh, records and radio and then we went to CDs and then we went to computers. Right. Right. I mean, you know, I think about, you know, we were having a conversation before the conversation here talking about, um, you know, using uh, editing software platforms. And when I started, we had like the half inch tape, then we met, moved to three quarter inch tape, then we moved to beta and, you know, the digital platform. So like you said, it just keeps coming, you know, and <laughs> you 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 need to adapt. I mean, I you know, when I started, like I said, I started at the age of 17 in the business, uh, in, in news and, you know, that the, everything is totally different now. But the one constant was change. I had yes. to keep learning all these new uh, forms of technology. So I think you're hit the nail on the head when you said you really have to. Think about it like this. You have a PR business. And if you're able to write 10 press releases in a day, you're able to take on more clients instead right. of just physically by hand having to write one press release a day. If you're able to write five blogs a day and utilize AI and then go in and put your, you're able to help more people. You're able to serve more people. Yeah, this is going to make my life a lot easier, you Absolutely. know. I mean, cuz <laughs> you're then that. able you're then able to make other people's lives easier. You're yeah. you're not sitting there with a client that says, "Listen, I have this thing." You're like, "Sorry, I'm not going to be able to get to you till next week cuz we don't have enough people in the office to take care of it." You're able to serve more people. And right. that's the way I look at it. It's like, "How can I serve as many people as possible?" And, you know, that's what I'm excited about with technology. I don't even want to call it AI. It's going to have a different name next year. It'll have a different name next year. You know, it's like, I'm just excited how many people said, I will never get rid of my BlackBerry because I like the texture of what it is on my thumbs. And yeah, now there's not, you know what I mean? It's like, how many people, oh, if people need to get a hold of me, I've got a pager. You know, it's like, if they can, what? no, it's like what we say and what we do are most of the time, two different things. Right. Wait till we get into the upcoming augmented reality where you're going to see things right in front of you, you know, like and be able to project, you know, phone number, yeah. make it in your hand. It's, That's it's, it. That's it. Yeah, sure. Um, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about those 360 degree deals that came about a couple of years ago and, and what direction artists might want to think about taking when it comes to their career in the music business. We'll be back in just a moment. When it comes to relationships, there are some obvious signs you can use to spot someone who might be abusive. First, they have a tendency to want to rush into a relationship. They may also show signs of jealousy and mistrust, and you could find they expect you to be perfect and will try to cut you off from other important relationships. They could also be abusive towards animals and children. To learn more about the signs of dangerous individuals and how you can identify and avoid unhealthy relationships, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And welcome back. We are here talking to Rick Barker, a music industry executive who helped launch Taylor Swift's career. And Rick, I know... Um, as we've been talking several years ago, um, many record labels moved to the 360 deals to gain more revenues from 
merch and social media, concerts, et cetera, and not just the artist's music. Do you think it's a good idea for an artist to still sign this kind of deal these days? Well, today things have changed. So the reason the 360 deal came about anyway, and I need to explain how the music industry worked, was that the record company would find an artist, they would make the investment, they would pay for the recordings, they would pay basically for everything. And then the song would go to radio. And when the song went up the charts, the only people that made money were the publishers and the songwriters. It wasn't actually the label and the artist. So here the label put in all the money. The label took all the risks. The artist took all the risks. The song goes up the charts. Now the publishers got paid. The songwriters got paid because the record companies only got paid when a record was sold. This was back when we sold CDs for $20 and So that's how the record company would make its money back. So then after the song goes number one, the artist now gets to tour. So the artist is making money. The booking agent's making money. The manager's making money. The publisher's making money. The songwriters are making money. And the bank who put up all the money was the last person getting paid. Now, the majority of artists that get signed to record deals, they never recoup the initial investment. It's very sad, but true. So the record company said, wait a minute. If we're the ones taking all the risk, if we're the ones putting in all the money, we don't want to be the last one getting paid. We want to participate in everything that's happening to try to recoup that initial investment back. So that's why 360 deals were started. Uh, Right now, the record companies, they put up all the money for the recordings, so they own what's called the masters. So the master recordings are When you play a song on Spotify, the majority of the payment comes back to the person that owns the masters. So now everyone's like, well, we want to own our masters. We want to own control. So the answer is this. You don't have to sign any deal. The bank is always going to write the deal that best serves the bank. That's just life. Uh, Also, too, is that if you already come with something happening, that's why I tell artists, create a buzz. Then you get to become a partner in that relationship and not just an employee. An employee has no say-so. They do what the boss tells them. When you come with an audience, when you come with a record that's already happening, when you come with streaming that's already happening, now you get to sign a partnership deal with the bank and the terms are much more favorable and you have some negotiating power. So my advice is each artist, your situation is different. No two artists' career paths have ever been the same. What might be a good deal for this person might not be the best deal for you. So make sure that you have a good entertainment attorney. Make sure that you have someone that's looking out for your best interest. But you ultimately sign the best deal that's right for you. No one forces you to sign it. No one forces you to take the record label's money. So if you do take it, know that there's terms that come along with that. And they might not always be as favorable They're favorable to try to get the money back, considering that most of the time the labels don't get that money back. Hmm. Well, I know, um, you know, that is a lot of money. Many times they put out, I've been told, you know, sometimes to, you know, between the, the marketing, public relations efforts and merchandising and all that stuff, it's a lot of money that is being put out if you do go through a label. And like you said, they don't always get that money back. So they take chances and it's a gamble, you know? So, um, you know, when an artist is thinking about, you know, say going independent versus sourcing out attention from labels and industry executives, you know, how hard is it, do you think, uh, to go independent these days? Is that sort of more the the way you see a lot of people going these days? That's, That's the way the majority of them are going. Why? Because now you have the ability. So the label used to control distribution. That's no longer the case. You can use CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid. There's so many different ways to distribute your own music. There's so many different companies now that can help collect your royalties and things for you. So my encouragement to all artists is to start independent, maintain your independence for as long as you can, and then outsource the things that you need. A lot of major label artists right now are counting down the days till they're out of their recording contract so that they can be independent. You get 100% creative control. You determine the things that you want to do. Now, if you ever want world domination, yeah, you're probably going to need the relationships that the labels have, and they control a lot of that, and they can write bigger checks than most independent artists can at the time for marketing 
for PR, for things like that. But if you build a solid independent music career, you can do licensing deals with record companies now. You can, you know, Russ, who's a great independent artist, he's like, wait a minute. He says, I can go hire the same PR company they're hiring. I can go hire the same ad agency they're hiring. I can pay for the same services that they're paying for. I'm going to stay as independent as I want, and I'm just going to outsource everything myself. So his thought process was, if it's a let's say an 80%, 20%, 80% to the label, 20% to the artist. He says, why don't I keep the 80 and use the 20% and pay for the same things that they were going to be paying for? So independent is definitely the way to go in the beginning for everyone. I always tell people, if you think you need a label to be successful, you're the wrong person to get a label deal because you do not understand the business and you're the one who's going to, you know, I don't want to say get taken advantage of, but it's going to be a long road. Yeah. Well, you know, also people often I hear, you know, younger folks saying, I need a manager. At what point do you think that artist actually needs a manager? Because I've kind of heard it's not always right away. <laughs> sure. So in the beginning, you need guidance from someone. You know, it's like a manager can only handle so many artists at a time. But there's millions of artists. So not every artist is going to have a manager. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm a virtual manager for a lot of people. I teach them the business. I give them access to me to bounce ideas and things off of. It's when you actually have something to manage. When, you've, when you're already making money, when you have multiple, you're being hit up multiple times a day to look at this contract or to look at this, you know, when there's something to manage is when you need a manager and there's a few different types of managers. It might be your friend right now who mm -hmm. truly believes in you. That's okay. You do not need a major manager in order to be successful. There's a lot of people having success right now who put their own teams together. But you do need someone. Uh, you know, a manager, for example, let's say you made $100,000. Your manager would have only made $15,000. Who can be a full-time manager and only make $15,000 with one artist. Not many people that I know. So you need to understand that you're a business. You need to understand that there's things that you should be investing into your business. Uh, a lot of people will say, well, I'll just wait till I start making money before I start investing. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, they're like, well, once I start making money, then I can afford. Well, then treat it like a business. Take out loans. Borrow money, work two jobs, you know, whatever it takes, but you've got to get your information from someone. If no other businesses would open up a business and just cross their fingers and hope it worked, right. it just doesn't work that way. Why artists think that the music business is any different is beyond me. But I spent a lot of time trying to help people who had they just realized earlier at that point when you want to treat it like a business, that's when you need to go out and start investing and help. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a manager, but it needs to be someone who understands the business. Right. And someone who can kind of keep you on track. I yes. mean, you need timelines. If you're going to put out a music video, you need to know what date you're going to put it out, you know. and Well, and that's the thing. They can all do that themselves. They don't need it. You don't need a manager to tell you when to get up. You Absolutely. Don't need a manager to tell you when to create. You don't need a manager to tell you when to post. You just need to learn all those things. Right. And know that you need to do them. And that's yes. the thing. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you think young artists make when they're trying to break into the business? They try to treat their career like they're already a superstar. They spend way too much on videos. They go out and hire publicists when they have no story to tell. They go out and think that they have to work with certain producers in order to be successful. Uh, they think that it's just talent alone. Uh, they think that people will find them. They think that they're entitled. Entitlement is a big one. Uh, and they, they don't realize that there's, you go on Instagram and you start scrolling and you're going to see probably a hundred people that are better than you, but you want everything that Beyonce already has. And you want everything that Jay-Z already has and everything Taylor already has. No, start where you are, but understand that you are competing with the world for attention. You're not competing against every other independent artist. You're competing against record labels who have way more money, way, way more money, way more relationships. They're all wanting the same exact things that you're wanting, people's attention, whether it be fans, whether it be playlisters, 
whoever it is, somebody out there wants the same thing you want. What are you going to do to go get it? Yeah. So you mentioned social media presence. How important is that these days? Is that is that sort of the make or break thing these days for an artist? I, I wouldn't say it's a make or break thing, but I would say that if if you're waiting for people to find you, where are they going to find you? In your house? In a club with only 50 people? Social media is where the world's hanging out. You need to be hanging out where the world's hanging out. Right. And so just think that's what we didn't have a few years ago. So correct. you, correct. you have a whole way to get yourself out there that yep. wasn't even there, you know, yep. a few years, a few short years ago. So that's an awesome uh, thing that they should really think about. And then what about um, in terms of how often maybe an artist should post content on social media? Um, you know, I think there might be somewhat of a formula for that. Like um, I know we tell people, you know, not necessarily in the music industry, but other businesses um, when and how to post. So what, for the music industry, I mean, what do you say? Uh, any industry, how often do you want to be seen? Because you, it, we're hoping to show up on this. If you don't post today, when I, when I am on, I'm not seeing you or don't even have a chance to see you. And I'm not going to go back four days because you decided that was the day that you wanted to post. Everyone's different, but I'm there every day. I'm present everywhere. I'm active in one place. I'm active on Instagram, but you will find me on LinkedIn. You will find me on X. You will find me on Facebook. You will find me on TikTok, but you will be, I'm most active on Instagram, but it's like, how often do you want people to see you? That's how often you should post because that's the only time you're going to show up in their feed. No one's coming to your Facebook page except probably once. No one's coming. No one wakes up. Think about yourself. Do you go up and start going to different people's Instagrams pages or are you scrolling through your own feed? You're scrolling through your own feed. So the only chance you have to show up is if you're posting. So I say, if you want your music heard every day, post it every day. If you want your business to be seen every day, you have to post it every single day. But everyone's different. That's just me. It's like the more you want to be seen, the more you post. I also think um, I like to see relevant things being posted. Some people are just like, I got to post and they post anything. Correct. And they really should give a little more thought, I think, sometimes. Too. Well, it can't it can't always be promotion. It can't always be sales. Like I promote I shared something to my stories earlier that made me laugh. It wasn't a post I created, but I remixed it. So I shared it and I said, I can't stop laughing. So that's sharing my personality with with my audience. Uh, quotes do really well. If if I like to inspire people, I share inspiring quotes. It doesn't say, you know, come here and learn what Rick Barker has to sell. It's just, I'm showing up in their feed. My name is constantly showing up in their feed. And my goal is to provide value. I will get more impact from a quote than I will from a teaching video. Very true. I because, think you're right on all the money on well, that one. It's just, you could just, anybody can go in their own feed and see. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is because they engage with my other content, they at least have a chance to see when I'm inviting them to something else. I use a lot of, I, I, I serve my community. It's like I tell people, I don't ever try to sell on social media. I will sell through email and I will sell when I invite people to my live events. I use social media as a way to solve my community's problems, let them know that I'm the go-to source. I want to make them laugh. I want to make them cry. I want to make them think. And that's what allows me the ability when I do come with an offer, they're not shocked by it because it's not, it's like if we only, I say, don't be that friend that only shows up when they need something. Don't be that business that only posts when you have something going on because social media is not about you. It's about the end user. And when you develop that mentality, it will change your social media game. Right. I've looked at some artists that uh, seem to, when the whole social media thing came about, like you said earlier in the conversation, 
you know, they just wanted to focus on their music and their craft and so forth and so on. So they became completely lost in this whole social media thing. But then there's some people that I think have nailed it and done it very well. Who do you think some of those artists are? Wow. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things now with independent artists. Uh, there's a girl, Madison Galloway, who does really well with it. Uh, there's Sophie Pecora that does real well with it. There's a gentleman by the name of Abel Hart. And these are people that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, I also think John Legend's done a great job with it. I think Luke Bryan's done a great job with it. I think Ed Sheeran is killing it right now. One of my uh, buddies, Cato, on the track, he's a producer. He started putting up his beats and letting people sing along to it. And the next thing you know... You're an artist that may be in Oklahoma that can't get to a hot producer, but there's a hot producer throwing a beat that you can sing along to, and then you can use that to share. And many of those duets went on to get record deals, be number one songs, TikTok viral videos. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened. So there's a lot of independent artists that are doing it really well and a lot of major label artists that are doing it really well. But what's happening is that they're having fun with it. It's not... Vote for me. Watch my three and a half minute long video and tell me what you think about it. Complete stranger. You know, it's like that's what artists were doing. They put their whole video up and then ask people to we have to make it easy. We have to make it short. We have to make it precise and then let them want to come learn more about you. But that was the bigger problem is that artists just didn't know what to do. It's like I tell artists, it's like the only people I can help is yours. Like, look, I know I need to do it. Just show me what to do so I'm not wasting time. And one of the things that I tell a lot of artists that I work with is they'll always say things like what you just said, is that I just want to create. Most of you don't need to create anything else. You need an audience. It's like you're in the inventory business right now. You have a whole bunch of stuff that no one's ever heard. You know, so it's it's like that's just a lame excuse. You know, a lot of them are like, well, I really needed to be perfect. And I'm like, well, perfect people are broke people. Uh, because it will never be perfect, especially exactly. to the creative, you know? So there's yeah. songs that have gone on to be massive hits that only started off as 45 seconds. It hit. And then the artist went in and wrote the rest of the song. Think about mm-hmm. that. They, they, they didn't have a complete song that went viral and got tens of millions of views. And they're like, okay, the audience is reacting to that. Let's go make the rest of the song. Let's make it happen. And wow. that's what the smart artists are doing right now. Jason Derulo jumped in on social media and he embraced it from the beginning. And now, I mean, look yeah. at it. They kind of used that like as a focus group, really. They, mm-hmm. they used the yes. world as a focus group. And then right. what's working. And yeah, that's amazing. Um, when you think of it that way, I know um, I was just going to say, as I was thinking about uh, uh, Taylor Swift, I read that, you know, NBC Sunday night football game featuring the Kansas City Chiefs you know, versus the New York Jets average, uh, I think it was approximately like 27 million viewers, mm-hmm. which was the most watched um, Sunday show since the Super Bowl um, in February, last February in 2023. So it's amazing um, just because, you know, she came there to support a friend, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that's just crazy. The impact though, that, um that an artist and and others who, you know, make their living by being a public figure and being out there that, you know, that they can uh, certainly uh, have using social media. Well, it's because she has diehard fans that want to see anything that she's doing, period. I mean, every time she releases a CD, she'll sell a million CDs in 24 hours to kids that don't even own CD players. Why is that? I mean, I mean, they're buying it because they're invested in her because of all the little extra things that she does. And they're interested in whatever it is that she does. So yeah. love her or hate her. She's a very smart businesswoman, but she stayed consistent throughout the right products in front of yeah. the right audience. I also, I think she's very in tune with her fans. She like, has always been in tune with her fans because yeah, she, she really knows what they, what they're looking for. And never tries to please everyone. Right. And she finds that way to really reach out, extend the olive branch and connect. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's missing. You know, even when you sing a song, if you don't sing it with feeling and whatever, you're not going to connect. So you have to find the way to tug at the heartstrings or whatever to connect with your audience. I think I see that is missing a lot of times, even 
you know, in, in the field that I've been in, which is mainly storytelling, you have to find a way to tell that story that really relates to people. It's about always about people. So like you said, even with the social media, going back to that, you know, if you post a post that, um, you know, it's just a quote or something, a positive quote that can get people really, you know, you know, saying, yeah, I agree with that and following along. So I think, um, yeah, these are great nuggets of wisdom that I hope a lot of people will get to hear who are interested in having a career in the music business. Um, We have a few more minutes. I want to also touch on whether you think, um, since we've been talking about social media, I also wanted to know, do you think uh, artists need thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers before a label will actually look at them? No, because those can be bought. Labels want to see engagement. Lab- labels want to see, can you sell tickets to shows? Labels want to see, are you showing up to work every day? Goes back to that posting. You know, if they go to your socials and see that you only post once a week, that's like saying you only showed up to work once a week because that's the customer service part of your business and you're not utilizing the customer service part of your business. Uh, labels got fooled by numbers before. They'd go find it when Justin Bieber popped. They went and found every kid with a million views on YouTube. And the next thing you know, they realized they couldn't sell tickets that they didn't have original material. They built this audience off of cover songs. The thing is this, is that you need to determine what success means to you because there are people that are having successful music careers right now with 1,000 true fans, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. So you just need to understand that one, a label is going to want proof. And right now, because you can buy likes, you can buy engagement, you can buy subscribers, you can buy streams. They got fooled already, you know? So they're going to go deeper. They're going to become a detective. When they hear your song, they're going to then start exploring. So they're going to go see, do you have a website? Are you set up properly like a business? They're going to go to your socials and they're going to see, are you posting stuff that's relevant? Are you twerking? Are you drunk? Are you, what are you? They're, they're looking, they're doing a job interview right now. Whether you know that or not, when they hear that music that they like, they're searching you out. So my goal is to make sure that my artists are always in a position to where somebody goes, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. And it's not just about, you know, throwing out one song. It's like, no, write a hundred songs, you know, build yourself a catalog, show them that you're, I always tell them this, and this will wrap it up for you. Labels are no longer in the startup mode. They're in the acquiring small businesses that are already working mode. They don't have time to start you from scratch. A label wants you to get to zero to 70. They'll take you from 70 past 100. But you've got to do the majority of the work in order to make yourself attractive to the right label or the right manager or the right agent. If you want somebody else to come into your world and invest their time and money and resources, you need to show them that you're the best available investment that's out there right now. Right. There's so many choices. You've got to be the best choice, right? So you have to really make yourself attractive in that sense. Um, Once you make it, though, um, what might be a point of advice that you would give to an artist when it comes to maintaining longevity in the business? Because not many people, there are people who have the one hit wonders, but when you think about it, you know, there are not many Janet Jacksons. There are not many Mar- Mariah Carey's, Whitney Houston's, um, you know, people who have really been in the industry for a lifetime, really. Mm-hmm. So what what would you say is the key to maintaining longevity and success in the music business? Today, staying connected to your fans. You know, Jimmy Buffett, who just passed, he didn't have, he had one top 10 song at yeah, radio, yeah. but he was one of the biggest grossing touring artists of all time. The Dave Matthews band, the Grateful Dead, you know, it's like you two, the, uh, these bands that you think about, they've just, they stay, stay connected to your fans, stay, keep people around you that are constantly keeping up with the changes that are happening in the industry. Don't be afraid to change. And when you see something that works, see why it worked. I mean, Taylor just, is now having her Eras tour go to theaters 
And guess who just announced that her tour will be going to theaters? Beyonce. Very smart. You know, not everyone could afford a $1,000 ticket, but they can afford a $20 music and they'll still dress up the same ways. They'll still bring posters and banners and make it feel like an experience. Adapt to new technology. You know, when I was watching artists inside the Fortnite games and doing virtual tours, it's like, the longevity today is not going to be because you had 20 radio hits like a Mariah Carey, like a Whitney Houston. What they were able to do to become iconic, like the Madonnas, that was what was available to them at their time. The ones that are going to be avail- iconic in the future are those that are always present, those that adapt, those that aren't scared of technology. They don't always have to understand it, but make sure you're surrounding yourself with people on your team that do understand it because it's going to help you continue to get to the masses. Right. I think, um, you know, a lot of artists might only have yes people in their ears, you know, because maybe they're being paid by the artists. Um, how important it is to really have people in your corner that are going to tell you no sometimes and that you can take advice from. As long as they are on the same agenda as you and have the same goals and care for you, it's super important. Polestar once asked Taylor, they said, why did you choose Rick as your manager? He had zero management experience. She said a couple of reasons. One, she said, I trusted him and I knew he was going to tell me what I wanted to, what I needed, not what I wanted to hear. She goes, I had my parents for that. Rick was going to show me the work that needed to be done, and he was also going to go in and do that work with me. I think it's super important. I think a lot of times we get misled because everyone around us is telling us how great they are. But make sure that if you do surround yourself with someone who can be the devil's advocate, make sure that they know how to go get the results. So just don't have people that tell you what the problem is because there's plenty of those. Also have that person that can say, here's what the problem is, and here's how we fix it. Right. Not just so, the person that's the negative Nelly, just not the person that's beating you down. Cause it's a hard enough business as it is for you to constantly be beat on. You know, I work with thousands of artists all over the world and I absolutely hate doing song reviews. I hate it. One, because unless they're looking for a 50 plus year old man who likes hip hop and R and B from the early two thousands, I may not be their audience, you know? So <laughs> I have to be very subjective, but I always tell them, I'm like, look, who cares what Rick Barker thinks? What do your fans say? And if your fans aren't sharing it and your fans aren't buying it, that might be their way of telling you it's not good enough yet. So let's go get it good. And then if you want to be great, the music has to get great. And that's where I would put all my focus and all my attention is making sure that the music's right. Surround yourself with knowledgeable people. Get that person on your team that is the person that you know is going to be honest with you, but they also love and support you and want you to help achieve your goals and are not saying it to be negative. They're saying it to support you, to get you better because ultimately they know what it is that you want to do. And Rick Parker, that has uh, been some wonderful, great advice. Um, Unfortunately, we're out of time. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. And if you would like to listen to Rick's podcast or look into his online management help and courses, you can certainly visit his website at rickbarker.com. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in today. We'll be back again in two weeks. Until then, you can catch replays of the Celestine Show on Celestine uh, Show YouTube channel. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care.